Hi there, this is Pastor Tim. I'm the minister at Eastside Church. We are a United Methodist congregation in East Atlanta Village. We seek to be creative, historic, and inclusive. And we are thrilled that you found our podcast. If you'd like to learn more about our church community, you can visit us at www.eastsideatl.org. And all God's people typed. Amen. Friends, it may not feel like it this morning as it's raining outside, but he is risen. He is risen indeed. It is Easter too, and the resurrection is not something we just celebrate one Sunday. The resurrection is something that we celebrate and we celebrate and we continue to celebrate together. God's defeat of death, the new world that God is breathing into existence through Christ and through each of you, through this church. We celebrate for 50 days. And in fact, some, you may know this or not, but this is actually the Orthodox Easter this morning. So the Western Church celebrates it a little bit earlier, and our Eastern Orthodox friends um, are celebrating Easter Sunday today as we gather. Christ is risen, friends. And we celebrate for 50 days. We celebrate the resurrection, and then we lean into Pentecost, which comes right at the end of May, and we celebrate the birthday of the church. Well, friends, if you are a guest with us, we are overjoyed that you are with us this morning. Um, even in this strange format, it is, it is a privilege to spend this time with you. And if you are a guest with us, uh, just a couple words about where we're at. We've been in an extended series, teaching series, we have titled Rooted and Grounded. And that is a phrase borrowed from one of the Apostle Paul's letters to one of the ancient churches to which he corresponded, the church in Ephesus. And for the first portion of 2020, we leaned heavily into the rooted part of this series, and we talked about organics, and we talked about the image of God in each of us, and we talked about how if and how we're tending to the spiritual dimension of which we are all made. How are we tending to our souls? And then right at the front end of Lent, on Ascension Sunday, we shifted to Grounded, and we begin to talk about architecture, specifically the architecture of communities, how are communities built, what is the framework, how do healthy communities interrelate and, and operate, how do we do life together. And it's not lost on me, the irony that we are socially distancing while we're talking about the architecture of community as a church. But as you read the beginning of the church that we're going to look at this morning, I'm actually not going to, to be reading this portion of the text, but as you look at the beginning of Philippians, you can see and experience the Apostle Paul from a distance yearning to be with the people in Philippi. It is clear as you read the book of Philippians that Paul loves this church. He loves these people and he misses them. And I encourage you this week, if you've never read the book of Philippians, it's short, there's only four chapters, read through it as an individual, as a family, study it. 
The book of Philippians, this ancient community to whom Paul writes, it's, it's beautiful. And chapter 2 of Philippians, which we're not going to have time to get into today, it contains one of the most ancient Christian hymns in, in all of Scripture. It's called the Christ Hymn, and it speaks to kenosis, to Jesus pouring himself out, to the Christ pouring himself out for the world. Philippians is a beautiful letter, and if you've never read it, I encourage you to. This morning, we are going to jump down to verse 18 of chapter 1, and we're going to pick up halfway through verse 18, and as I read, I invite you, friends, to listen for the Word of God. Paul writes, yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking with all boldness, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live... For me, living is Christ, and dying is gain. If I'm to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which I prefer. I am hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and to be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for you. Since I'm convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy and faith, so that I may share abundantly in your boasting in Christ Jesus when I come to you again. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God, as we can hear the rain pouring outside, through the windows, as we've gathered in this little chapel, as we huddle around this globe in front of our televisions or our computers or our phones, we speak of this ancient text that speaks of bodies, that speaks of physicality, that speaks of Paul's yearning and desire to be with his people. So he writes... He writes this beautiful letter that we have 2,000 years later. So God, I pray that the words that I have prepared, that they might indeed be your word for your people in this time, and I ask God that you would speak through them and as necessary in spite of me. And as I preach, God, I pray that the words of my mouth and the collective meditations of all of our hearts would indeed be good, right, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. God, our rock, God, our redeemer, God, our savior, God, our resurrection and our life. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, friends, this morning we have encountered a bit of a tangled thought from the Apostle Paul. Remember, they didn't have edit buttons in the ancient world, so you pretty much wrote what you wrote and you received what you received. And sometimes Paul can... can circle back around on himself. So sometimes you have to kind of look at some of his texts almost as a portrait or as a picture and less as a a linear 
thing that you just read straight through. This morning's text is a little bit like that. So I'm going to try from the outset to do a little detangling and then get get to the body. First, Paul is in prison for preaching the gospel and he is awaiting trial. Second, when Paul finally stands trial, he will have a choice to either preach the gospel with boldness or to back down. Third, Paul has clearly decided that he is going to preach with boldness when he is in front of the Roman authorities. Fourth, Paul recognizes he's well aware that this might get him killed. This might get him executed. Fifth, Paul is at peace with the possibility of execution because Paul knows that his death would ultimately mean his full union with God. Sixth, while on the one hand Paul is at peace with death, he might even prefer it at this point, Paul wants to go on living because he believes that the life that he continues to breathe into the world affords him fruitful labor for the sake of the gospel, for God's kingdom. Seventh, though Paul prefers to live so that he can continue to work, he ultimately knows that he doesn't really know what's going to happen. He doesn't know. So he decides that he's not going to pull any punches and he's going to preach the gospel boldly and let the chips fall where they may. Throughout the book of Philippians, we encounter Paul's attempt to reveal to us, to this ancient Philippian church and all of us who read this book now, the very way of thought that embodied the Christ in Christ's earthly earthly ministry. Paul, he's trying to help this church internalize a rubric, a very way of thinking and of living that he is expressing to us that the Christ revealed to the world. Selfless love, a pouring out, a kenosis, an emptying, a courage that we saw on Good Friday and that we celebrated last Sunday courage to do the work and to be who God is calling you to be and letting the chips fall where they may. In the book of Philippians, Paul is seeking to use his own life to exemplify Jesus to this church in Philippi. He's saying, look at me. See the way I am responding to difficulty, to trouble. Look at, look at the trouble Jesus has gotten me into. Now you, be inspired, go do the same, go be courageous, go be fearless, go be unscathed, go be a resurrection people, go be bold and preach, go be bold and preach the gospel with your lives. Paul does something in Philippians that most of us take a step back from because he's offering his own life as exemplary. He's, he's offering his own life as an example of how to embody the Christ. But this is why Paul kind of, he's kind of got the chops to do this. He's in prison for preaching the gospel, for planting churches. You see, I think Paul exemplifies for this Philippian community Christian courage. living your life in such a way that it is completely patterned after the Christ. 
And to do as Paul does and rejoice right in the middle of the difficulty that has been thrown his way. It's, it's quite remarkable because Paul says, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. <laughs> what do you do with that? Imagine a church full of people who embrace that phrase. For me to live as Christ, to die is gain. You can't touch that. Paul, he is at this place of peace. He has so come to rest in his utter trust in the living God of the universe that he is, he's able to lay aside. He probably still has fears and anxieties, but he's not operating out of them. He's laying them to the side and saying, no matter what happens, it's going to be okay because God is with me now and God is with me in the future. That's it. Paul knows that for the Christian, what looks like an end Friends, this is resurrection. It's always a new beginning. It's Easter 2 this morning. We are not done celebrating the empty tomb and the resurrection. Even if we are in our living rooms this morning and we are doing our darndest to not allow this pandemic to go on any further, we are celebrating God's life. For Paul, if he, if he lives through this and he has many more years then he says, fruitful ministry. If I live, then I get to do more work. I get to build the kingdom more. And he, and he says, if I die, I die. On this side of the grave, he says, I can go on serving Christ, preaching the gospel, expanding God's upside-down kingdom in this world. Or in death, Paul says, I can step fully into the presence of the divine. His resurrection It's real. You see, I think Paul, he's exemplifying the heart of Christian courage, friends. Christian courage. It's a courage rooted in something. It's a courage grounded in something. It's not just wishy-washy hope. It's the grounding of Easter. You see, Paul's not wishing death. That's not the point of the text at all. The point is he's at peace. He's transcending. Whatever's going to come, he is so rooted and so grounded in the Easter message that resurrection is real, that life does not end with a grave. He's embodying the Easter message. And it comes through in the way that he's living, in his courage. Paul says, on the one hand, for me to keep on living is good. I can continue to work and, and, and bring about more fruit for the gospel. On the other hand, if it's my time, it's my time. And I know that God is waiting for me on this side, and I know that God is waiting for me on that side, and I don't have to be afraid. For me to live is Christ, for me to die is gain. Which, of course, begs the question, what in the world are we to do with this? text as modern 21st century Christians in the West, in Georgia, on Atlanta's east side, in the midst of a pandemic. Because let's be honest, it's very difficult for us to connect existentially with what Paul is experiencing here, because for most of us, we have the protection of our free speech. We, don't get, we, we can say any kind of boneheaded thing we want to say, and they're not going to throw us in jail. We, 
know this to be true by some of the things said by some of our leaders. But in Paul's context, you couldn't just say anything you wanted and get away with it. This is why Paul's in prison. And his dilemma, it's foreign to our experience as free Westerners. We might feel judged occasionally for telling someone we go to church or we live stream church, I guess, now. But that's not the same as sitting in a prison cell awaiting trial for claiming that Christ is Lord and that Rome's tool of execution didn't take. That Rome, who is supposedly so good at executing political dissidents, Rome lost. Christ is risen. Christ is Lord of the cosmos, not the emperor. That is the message that the early Christians embodied, and that's what got them in trouble. It was a political message. To say that Jesus is Lord is to say Caesar's not Lord. And he might be able to kill people, but death doesn't win. Can we affirm either part of Paul's phrase, for me to live as Christ, for me to die as gain? Can I say with any sort of authenticity, for me to live as Christ? Can I say that my entire mode of operation is Christ in me, his mission, his call? Can I say that I'm living to be hands and feet of the resurrected one? Can I affirm and say with my own lips in the first person for me to live as Christ, can we utter such a statement? Is it true that the whole trajectory of our lives, the way we spend our time and our talents and our money, the way we orient our relationships, is it all in service to our king and to his kingdom? Are we living the resurrection or not? It's Easter 2. Next Sunday's Easter 3. Sunday after that's Easter 4. Are we living the resurrection, friends? Can we say, can we claim these words for me to live is Christ? Because that's, that's the rubric. Your, your body, your life, it's meant to be inhabited by the resurrected one. We get to be mediators of the presence of God on this planet. That's a huge task. Scary. But it's also amazing. Paul says in verse 20, Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. The Greek here is soma for body. And Paul understood the very flesh and blood that carried his consciousness around to be an arena through which Christ could be mediated to other people. That is remarkable. And we... We glaze over it. We gloss over it. But the idea of Christ in you, it's real. Paul actually believed that through his physical body, his life, that Christ could be made known to other humans. And he could say, I mean, he had been beaten. He had literally had the marks of torture on his body. Paul took a beating for his message. And he understood his very body to be an arena, a theater through which 
As he describes in verse 19, the spirit of Jesus Christ can be mediated in this world. Do we see our bodies, do we see our lives as theaters, as arenas through which Christ can be revealed, through which Christ can be offered to our world? For me to live is Christ. It's Easter too, and it's a message right now that our world needs to hear. We worship a God of life. And God is seeking to breathe life into a hurting and a broken world. We do. We live in a culture that does everything it can to shield us from the reality that someday these physical bodies, they're not going to go forever. We've even sort of parsed out the funeral process to professionals. But these These bodies are brilliant and beautiful and wonderful, and through them, in their life, the Christ can be mediated and offered to the world. And part of the message of Easter is you don't have to be afraid. 1 John 4.18 says, Perfect love casts out fear. Are we rooted? Are we grounded? and the love of Christ? Are we falling deeply in love with our creator through Christ? How are we relating to so much in the world right now that should make us biologically afraid? It's scary. But we're grounded in the creator, the creator that made and is making all things new, including your life right now. Your life right now could be a platform, an arena, an avenue for the Christ. That's scary and beautiful. Are we fostering the kind of intimacy in our lives that transforms our fear into love? That's what we were trying to speak to with the Rooted series. Are we rooted in the love of God? It's resurrection season, friends. Christ is risen. Can we face death? Do we believe, do we trust that God is here and God is there, as Paul states? We're called to be a people of the empty tomb. We're called to be the most courageous, the most fearless, And it doesn't mean we don't feel fear. It means that we don't let the fear control us. We don't live out of that. Of course you're going to feel fear. But the resurrection's bigger than our fear. God is bigger than our fear. This morning in the midst of this pandemic, tired of that word, you probably are too, We are also in the season of Christian resurrection. So friends, go forth, socially distance, go forth and see your life today, right now, as an arena for the Christ. The incarnation happened and the incarnation happens in you. That is the call of the church, people. The best way we can worship the Christ in this resurrection season is to allow him the Christ presence 
to operate through us. To Easter friends, may we be an Easter people. Our world is hurting, our world is afraid. (sighs) May we be divine courage for this planet right now. Christ is risen. Go live the resurrection. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, everyone said. Amen. Well, we hope that you've enjoyed this week's message, and we look forward to seeing you soon. If you listen from afar and you would like to support the work that we are doing in East Atlanta and on Atlanta's east side, you can visit our website, www.eastsideatl.org, and find our giving portal there.